Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to a bit of anything podcast. I am your host Tyler with my friend as always, Mr. or I we decided we're going by doctor now. So, yeah. Dr. Dan is on Dr. the Dan. line with us as well today. I am Dr. Tyler and uh, we've we've got our second our second episode of a bit of anything uh, podcast on the docket today. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, the ones that are not deadbeats and actually take care of their children. <laughs> and other than that, I'm uh, I'm doing well. And uh, Dan, how about yourself? How are you doing? I'm doing fine. It's good Father's Day. Did you have a good Father's Day? I'm having a great Father's Day. My kids woke up and made me, and my wife as well, uh, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Letting them make breakfast probably would not be the best idea unaccompanied. So my wife woke up, had some eggs and sausage and stuffed mushrooms for breakfast. And a really great way to start off the day. So, that sounds uh, nice. Yeah. How about yourself? And we had bagels and cream cheese with orange juice. So Nice. What kind of, <laughs> like? Well, you're back east. Like You have legit bagels back there. Yeah, they're okay, but we have a non-legit kitchen. Um, yeah, it hasn't been updated since 1947, so it's... Uh, oh, do you yeah. have a gas or electric range to cook on? It's gas, and okay. it's dangerous, so we always turn the gas off when we're done cooking. Gotcha. Do you um, have, like, bottles inside, like, tanks inside? No, it's, it's I guess it's through the ground. Okay. Pipe, pipe work from the basement. Okay. So, yeah. well, that's, that is a scary <laughs> thing. A little bit, a little bit scary. Uh, but other than yes. that, sounds like a great morning. I love bagels and cream cheese. I like strawberry cream cheese, though. I'm not like a regular cream cheese guy. It, there's got to oh, yeah. be some flavor to it. Raspberry or strawberry or some, they have got like this new salted caramel one. Uh, before I gave up carbohydrates, I, I really liked that one, but, uh, I've given up carbohydrates recently, dropped some weight, and uh, feeling better about that. Feeling better about myself. Good. So, Doctor Dan, what yes, what do sir. we have? Why don't you introduce the docket to us today? Give us some okay. insight onto what we will be do. What will be what we will be talking about? There we go. And there you go. You got it. Uh, then we'll go from there. Well, I think we'll, we could dabble a little bit in the NBA. We've, we've talked about that. The finals just ended this week. So maybe we'll we'll dip our toes in that for a second. Neither that could of us be are, dangerous. Yeah. I don't know very many stats. I didn't watch very many games, but I do have very many opinions. Okay. Um, uh, but the first topic I think we should talk about is Antonio Brown in Oakland, Dr. Tyler's favorite team out there. Yes, it is. And – a lot of rumblings amongst both uh, amongst the Raider fans and Steelers fans. There's no yeah. middle ground in this, by the way. It is very <laughs> pro or anti Antonio Brown. So, well, I think it so, makes I'm sense. Sorry I to mean, interrupt you. No, that's okay. I think it makes sense. I mean, if 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 it was the new team and I liked the team and he came to there, I wouldn't see why I wouldn't like him. But from a Steelers fan's perspective. I think you guys are going to have your hands full with him. I think he's gone cuckoo, let's say. He's a little too into himself, and he's worried a little bit too much about his stats and himself. And I think he kind of – he's trouble. 
I would say. But anyway, I, I was thinking the first subject should be, will Derek Carr throw over or under 13 interceptions next season? That's a great topic. So I think it is. You go for it. Okay. And then I will then I will give you my my version of it. Okay. So let's start with Ben Roethlisberger in 2018. Ben Roethlisberger threw 16 interceptions last year. Ten of those interceptions came while targeting Antonio Brown. So I wanted to see some of the stats. How many times was Antonio Brown targeted? How many times was Juju targeted? Antonio Brown was targeted 168 times, caught 111 passes for 1,297 yards, average of 11 targets a game. Juju had 166 targets, caught 104 of those for 1,426 yards, an average of about 10.5 a game. Now, he did play one more game than Antonio Brown, but the target number is about the same. So you'd have to stand a reason that the interception numbers were at least half, that Ben Roethlisberger threw at least half the amount of interceptions when targeting Juju as when targeting Antonio Brown. So to throw in uh, Vance McDonald, he was targeted 72 times, caught 50 of those for 610 yards. So I was curious to see how would the Raiders numbers from last year compare to the Steelers numbers. So I looked those up. And Jared Cook, who is the leading receiver for the Raiders, he was targeted 101 times, caught 68 passes for 896 yards. And there's some other guys in there. But another interesting one to address was Amari Cooper, because he spent six games in Oakland and nine games in Dallas. So in Oakland, he and was targeted. And we traded his sorry rear end for a first-round draft pick. <laughs> well, yeah, you guys walked away pretty good with that. And, and the I would say so. There would be many Brown, who would bad. beg to differ, but – I I uh, I like a first round draft pick over Amari Cooper, but I digress. No, that's that's fine. I, I think you're right. I mean, at least for Oakland, I think it was their best move. Um, so he was targeted 31 times in Oakland, caught 22 balls for 280 yards. Then when he went to the Cowboys, he was targeted 76 times, caught 53 balls for 725 yards. So I was also curious, what was the highest amount of targets, highest amount of catches? under the car regime out there in Oakland. And it was Crabtree, Michael Crabtree in 2016. He was targeted 145 times, caught 89 balls for 1,003 yards. So from all these numbers, I created this insane formula, partially due to my schizophrenia and my nihilism, but <laughs> I have hey, figured it's that all right. <laughs> whatever works. So I figured AB is going to be targeted, let's say, 10 times a game next year, 160 I think targets. I think that's I think, very easy. I think that's yeah, easy, I think it's easily done. a pretty safe done. bet. Yep. Right? So judging from all the numbers, I put together a little formula, and I came out with AB having 105 catches for 1,273 yards next year. That would be far and above the most catches and yardage that Carr has thrown to a single receiver in his career. Yes, it would be. Because we've already established the fact that Crabtree in 2016 had 89 catches uh, for a little over for a thousand three yards. That was right. That was his stat line. And he only had 145 targets. That's correct. So he had about nine targets a game. So he would be one target less than Antonio Brown will be this upcoming season. Okay, that's what we're figuring. I think that's a safe bet. I think that's Um, very safe bet because, yeah. 
I think that's a very safe bet. Last year, just to give, maybe there, there's a lot of people here that aren't Raiders fans that, that listen. Um, our receiving core was decimated. Uh, we traded Cooper. We cut Crabtree. Uh, we had not very well. And then at one point, Brandon LaFell. We had Jordy Nelson. Uh, he also actually had Martavis Bryant. Yep. Who he, was suspended for most of the year. Uh, who knows and, why? <laughs> Yeah, and and so the uh, the wide receiving core is much revamped this year, and I'm interested to see how that goes. But uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think that uh, having ten targets a game, I would say nine to ten for a B a game, is is not out of the question whatsoever. Correct. But another thing is, you guys did lose Jared Cook, so your top top receiver yep. who was your tight end he's now gone yep in new orleans and so basically okay. I, I think so ab wasn't on our team last year okay uh yeah. we had we did not have tyrell williams who figures yes, he's to be a the, i think the number he's two gonna turn out to be a little bit better in oakland than ab will but and then we also our third wide receiver is is kind of, that's kind of up for grabs right now we've got a couple guys uh, J.J. Nelson, who never really panned out in Arizona. He's more of a speedster, uh, stretch-the-field type of guy. We've got uh, a fifth-round draft pick, Hunter Renfro, that I'm really excited about out of Clemson. Uh, just catches the ball wherever it is thrown at him. And and that's one thing that I was really excited about when they drafted him in the fifth round. And then... Um, there's one more guy, and his name escapes me. He played with the Redskins, and then he went to the Colts, and now he's Grant is his last name. Ryan Grant. That's okay. I think that's what it is. Uh, but not you know like nothing spectacular really after A. B. or Tyrell Williams. We've also got our our. Uh, he actually played with your guy Washington uh, at Oklahoma State. Marcel Aitman was a seventh round draft pick last year. And then we've got a bunch of undrafted free agents, uh, a, a couple of them. Keon Hatcher is one of them. Um, but but guys that really didn't factor into uh, the game plan much at all last year. With And Carr still threw for over 4,000 yards. It was his best yardage season ever. Um, and I think he had the most completions that he's ever had last year as well. So somebody is going to have to take up those targets uh that cook had but cook's gone well well, obviously because cook's gone and uh but i think you know between ab and williams and whoever steps up i i bet the running backs see some more targets this year as well with uh jalen richard and josh jacobs our first our number 24 overall draft pick i think yeah 24 uh, 24th overall draft pick. So there are some people to eat up those those targets that Cook had because really that's all Carr had last year was Jared Cook. So Yeah. I only really saw Carr and the Raiders play the one game against the Steelers, but it was pretty clear that Cook was his security blanket. Yep, it was. I and mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. So Carr did throw for 10 interceptions last year. And like I was telling you off the air – Antonio Brown's going to be demanding targets. 10 a game might be putting it softly. As I told you, he had, uh, I think, 196 targets in 2016, his best year. 
So he's used to having an insane amount of targets. But what, what's going to change is Derek Carr is now going to have a receiver that's consistently double or triple teamed that's still demanding the ball into tight windows. And like I just said, I think Terrell Williams is like the steal of free agency. That guy was balling out last year. And now if you put him on a team where the other side of the field's double or triple teamed, he's going to be single covered all the time. He can put up some monster numbers. Yeah, he's a big That's dude why, too. Yeah, I, I think it long term he might pan out better for the team, but it's meant to be left to be seen, I should say. But so Carr had the ten interceptions last year. Does that number creep up past thirteen, or does it stay below? What do you think, Doctor Tyler? Um, I'm going. I'm going to say it stays below thirteen. Okay. Because history suggests that. So I looked up stats. Um, his rookie season, Carr played all 16 games, 12 interceptions. What year uh, was that? That was 2014. Okay. 2015 is the first year uh, that that uh, Bill Musgrave became our offensive uh, coordinator. And Carr threw 13 interceptions that year. Um, his attempts, so this is kind of interesting, his attempts per game, and this would be interesting to compare with Roethlisberger to see how many pass attempts they have per year, because Carr has gone 599, 573, 560, 515, and 553. So he's never had 600 pass attempts in his career. I don't know what Roethlisberger's pass attempts are, but along with that, so 12 interceptions, 13 interceptions his first year with Musgrave, which was 2015, 2016, which was arguably his best year when he had uh, MVP aspirations, finished finished third in the overall votes. Uh, He had 560 pass attempts with only six interceptions. Um, and then the next year, 2017, he's coming back from that broken ankle, has a broken back, still played in 15 games, uh, 515 pass attempts with 13 interceptions. And then last year in his first year with Gruden in 2018, uh, he had 553 pass attempts. He had 10 interceptions. One thing that's interesting, though, is as I'm looking at these, his yards per attempt go from five and a half to seven to seven to six point eight to seven point three. And that would be interesting to kind of look at those stats from Roethlisberger, too, to see kind of like I I know Carr has has this moniker as being captain check down. and in the West Coast offense, that's that happens a lot is where you where you do check down to the running back. Um, but anyway, that's those are kind of some interesting things. And history would suggest that he stays under 13. But it's going to be interesting to see if we see the Raiders pass the ball more or because Gruden's not really like a pass first coach. He's always been known in his time, his first go-round in Oakland, it was Tyro, uh, Tyrone Wheatley and Zach Crockett and Charlie Garner. 
Uh, even I think Roger Craig may have been in there as well. Don't quote me on that, but I know he went from the 49ers to the Raiders at one point. Um, but anyway, it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see where we have Josh Jacobs as our first round draft pick. We have Jalen Richard, um, a young man named Chris Warren, the third, we, we've got some interesting characters in the backfield, uh, Deandre Washington as well who who will make up the the running back core. So I'm I'm interested to see how that's all going to pan out if the Raiders are going to be more of a run first team then yeah, Antonio Brown may may have a problem with that. But I don't know. I don't understand athletes, Dan, and I'll never pretend that I do understand them because if I'm winning games, I couldn't care less. Like I just want to win a championship, but I that's just kind of my mentality. I, I understand that mentality. I think that you have – I think it's a pretty even split. There's there's probably half the NFL, half any major sporting league wants championships. Half of them want to get paid and want their stats. Right. And I think Antonio Brown clearly falls into that second category. Um, and well, he, my, I mean, he told, the, he told us that he wanted the money, right? I mean, he, he – yeah. That's what happened. The Raiders traded for him, and then I think he became either the highest or second highest paid wide receiver in the league. Which yes, it's second stat, to, to Odell Beckham. Jackass. Yeah, after Odell got after he got his uh, new contract from the Browns, which right. bless their souls for taking him on. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I I don't know. It's it's interesting to me. It, I mean, I understand you want to be the greatest of all time, all of that stuff, um, but it's going to take several more years at producing at a very high level if Antonio Brown wants to beat, in my opinion, the Jerry. I like Jerry Rice as the greatest of all time at, at the wide receiver position. Some would argue Randy Moss. I argue probably Jerry Rice, though. I would I would argue that all day long because the dude played till he was like 40 and was still productive. A hundred percent. He's the greatest. He's got the most receptions, most receiving touchdowns, most receiving yards. So how can you not say he's the greatest? I would agree. I think that Antonio Brown completely screwed his chances of chasing that. This could be like a totally different rant, but leaving Pittsburgh, he left a place that would have kept him around so that he could have chased some records possibly. But now he's kind of become this mercenary. And I think like Oakland, you guys are going to have this, like you said, it's going to be a tough season if, if, if Gruden wants to go with the running and Antonio Brown doesn't like that, then there's going to be some problems behind the scenes or Gruden's going to have to force the ball to Antonio Brown. And if that doesn't pan out, then I think Antonio Brown's time could be short lived out there because we've seen these, these clubs are willing to move on from players and absorb huge hits now. Yeah. Especially with the collective bargaining agreement coming up. I think some of them are thinking, Hey, I mean, if this cap rises another fifty million, who cares if we're on the hook for twenty for one guy? Because it'll be just a little buffer to the new transition, right? Um, and then, and then the players, I think, at the same time, we talked about this last week, are just they're trying to get as much of the guaranteed money as they can at the same yes. time from those teams. So, yeah, I so so back, I guess, to the original question because I led us on a tangent down a rabbit hole. I would say I would say that Carr goes for less than 13 interceptions. That's just that's my guess. I, and I've okay. I've said 
uh, to some friends of mine that are Raider fans. I think he probably has another year over 4,000 yards. I know you didn't ask for this, but I'm giving it to you anyways. <laughs> uh, I think he goes for over 4,000 yards again this year. I think he probably has around 20, 22 to 26 touchdown passes. And um, I w- I'm going to say he probably goes like 10 to 12 interceptions, somewhere in there. But that's what okay. I think he needs to do to to quiet all the doubters because there are a lot of doubters out there. There's a lot. Of, there are a I lot of ask, people that ask don't you before think I even he's... give my prediction. Is he? Do you think there's a chance that he doesn't finish the season as their starting quarterback? If he's uh, no, healthy? no, he's going to be there if the whole he's year. Healthy, if he's healthy, he's there all year long. That way, we've I've heard that. You, you know, I I don't know. You you've got all the talking heads that say that's where he is. Um, Gruden has come out out of his way and said, he's my guy. Mayock has come out and said, he's the guy. Uh, even Carr at uh, things that he doesn't usually say, like this year at tra- at uh, the first OTAs, came out and said, this is my team. I'm here as long as I want to be here, which I don't. I don't agree with that because... Yeah, it, you should, should keep stuff yeah, like that to yourself. Yeah, probably because Gruden is going to do what he wants, what he feels is best for, for the team and the direction that he's heading them in. And we saw that very clearly with a couple players last year with uh, Khalil Mack being traded to, to the Bears and with uh, Amari Cooper being traded to the Cowboys. And at the time, I didn't mind the Cooper trade. I... He's a he just he he shows up for about five games a year and the rest of them he's just like non-existent. So yeah, while he goes off for two hundred yards in four games, that's great. But when he puts up thirty-seven yards in every other game, it's like okay, I'm really gonna pay this guy Julio Jones type of money. Like that just it, it's it's crazy to me. I really feel like AB brings. I'm, that's a, a complete upgrade over Amari Cooper, just hands down. It Whether he has a terrible attitude or not, that is, unless he sits on the bench, like he could almost do just as well as Amari Cooper sitting on the bench. That's my opinion. Um, but once again, I, I'm going down a rabbit hole, but I, I, if Carr is healthy, he will be the man. And he will have, he will have, I believe this year and next year to show, or this year, maybe even just this year, to show that, yes, I can lead this offense. We can make this offense. I think we're going to lose a lot of games this year due to the defense's inability uh, because of young, uh, young players, young core players, and because of people that are just not in the... Um, haven't been in the system very long. There's a lot of new faces on the defense this year. Um, some of those are are famous faces with uh, Vontez Perfect being there. Um, and I just I think the defense is better this year, but it's not it's not gonna be like a, a playoff caliber defense that you can rely on in like the last five minutes to to shut somebody down and get and get the ball back. I may be wrong. I may eat crow on that. But right now, I just don't think that the defense is is quite to the level. And so I think that will be played into like, you know, if Carr leads the team to like a 7-9 and nine record, that's okay with me. Like, they're, they're at least pushing in the division. Um, and 
and to me that's okay you know like they should be okay at seven and nine going into uh las vegas though i do know that he is i think they can cut car for like a five million dollar cap hit is all see it's somewhere like between two and a half to five million somewhere in there so if so he he's has, playing for his job this year, essentially. In my opinion, I think he is. Yes, there's. Yeah, ma- I, I there think are, he is too. There are many who would argue against me and say, "No, that's that's stupid, Tyler," and that's okay because everybody has their opinions. This is that's what makes America great is we can have opinions. I think he is playing for a position. Do I think it's all on wins and losses? No, but if he goes out and throws for 3,000 yards and has 30, you know, like 20 interceptions and only 15 touchdowns, you really think that he's going to be the guy next year? I don't think so. Uh, This is year two in Gruden's offense. History suggests that he's going to have a great year. The reason being is that his second year under Bill Musgrave, that was his MVP caliber year in 2016. So history suggests that his second year is always better in the same system. And that's the thing with like with with Roethlisberger, with the Patriots, with teams that are perennially good is they they have consistency. They have stability. Their programs don't change uh, in. Let's see. So we started in 2014. Uh, Carr's offensive coordinator that year was Greg Olson. The next year, 2015, was Musgrave. 2016 was Musgrave. 2017 uh, is the year that every the the wheels fell off in Oakland. They brought in a rookie offensive coordinator, Todd Downing, and it was just a it was just a crap show. And then last year, Carr actually statistically had probably well as far as yards was his best season ever. And that was his first year in Gruden's system. And so history would suggest that this year he has another a good year, a repeat, hopefully, of 2016. Does that lead to wins and losses? I don't know because of the defense. That's the thing that worries me the most is the defense. Will the defense be able to come up with a few lucky stops, uh, maybe a, a pick here and there, and, and cause some turnovers? That's going to be the question. Going into Las Vegas the next year with two more first-round draft picks, that defense could be stacked. We took two defensive players in the first round, three defensive players in our with our top four picks, which were in the top uh, 30. Well, we tr- I think we traded down with Mullen, and so I can't re- remember if it was like the top 45 or something like that. And next year, we're going to have at least two more players, well, three more players, in the top, in the, in the top uh, 30, wherever we finish. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's quite an infusion of good young talent. You hope it pans out right now. I'm saying yeah. that car, you know, car is, I mean, he, it is, he's playing for his job, but isn't everybody playing for their job? Like it, it you well, always, I think you're always out there. Everybody that's playing for their job. Didn't come out and training camp and say that this is their team. Right. But, but let's let's go to Roethlisberger's stats for a second here. So in 2017, he had 561 pass attempts. That was Todd Haley's last year there. He threw 28 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. He got Todd Haley fired, essentially. He wanted his quarterback's coach promoted to offensive coordinator. 
They got that. Randy Fickner. He threw 675 attempts last year. Holy cow. Yeah. 34 touchdown passes, 16 interceptions. 10 of those interceptions came to Antonio Brown when, to, when targeting Antonio Brown. So what, what I think – what you're saying makes sense, but I think the thing that you're not realizing is that it's not going to be the same offense even with the same offensive staff because you're bringing in not only A.B., but you're bringing in Tyrell Williams. So you're basically signing your soul to the devil saying, all right, we're going to pass this ball. I think Carr is going to have an extraordinary amount of attempts next year. So his highest, like you said, was 599. I think he sniffs 600 this year. I think it no, comes pretty close. I wouldn't be close. surprised if it's over 600, yeah. So I think if it's over 600, it's and, – and and with his numbers, his he, he's had some good years. He's had some off years. But my, my theory is that he's going to be forced like never before to target somebody that's not open in Antonio Brown because of the coverage that he's going to have. And he's aging. Nobody wants to hear it, but as you get older, you get slower. Don't want to hear it. It happens. So he's going to have a little bit of trouble. Also, he's adjusting to a new offense that he hasn't had to do in the past. New offensive pass routes, new blocking schemes, new everything. So I think there's a good possibility that Carr throws for something like 24 touchdown passes and like 14 interceptions. So I think he's over 13. But it's not far off. You're saying 12. I'm saying 14. Right. It's in the same ballpark. 14 would be his career high interceptions. And I, yep. I just, I, I think that that's going to happen. But then it comes down to really Gruden deciding next offseason is whatever happens outside of you guys winning a Super Bowl. I think there's going to be a little bit of like Carr saying it's my team, Antonio Brown thinking it's his. You're going to have to come in and decide what do you want to do. Do you want to start from scratch with a new quarterback? Do you want to keep letting these guys play together if it's an interception machine that you're throwing out there? Or do you want to start seeing what you can get for A.B.? I, I think that they hang on to A.B. for two seasons at least. I don't think oh, he's yeah. one and done. No, I don't but, think um, so. I don't think that he's going to have the longevity with the Raiders that Tyrell Williams will have because Williams is younger. I think Williams has immense potential at his size and speed. And what I saw last year of him catching some some circus passes and uh, doing some things. So There's what I would think – there's definitely some untapped well and I don't know even know if untapped potential is the is the right word cuz I I don't really know what he you know what Philip Rivers even though they're in our same division like I don't I don't watch the Chargers like I I don't yeah. really care what they do I watch the Raiders and when the Raiders play the Chargers then it's like oh yeah that's all right and I don't really you know I do remember that catch that uh, Williams had across the middle against the Browns. That was mm-hmm. an insane catch. And so I, there is, I mean, like you said, there is a lot of potential there. And he's younger, so absolutely, definitely some some longevity that, you know, his longevity is pro- is better than yeah. A.B.'s. Yep, A.B.'s year, best years may be behind him. He may have one or two more years of where he's let, you know, 1,200 yards or, you know, somewhere around that point where he wants to be. But it's inevitable that you see a drop-off in in production as you age. It's just that's what happens. Like, yeah. like I said before, I haven't really seen the longevity of a wide receiver since, like, Jerry Rice. I, I don't know that I've seen it before that. I don't know that 
I've seen it after that, and I honestly don't know that we'll ever see anybody again that plays wide receiver at a high level till he's like 38, 39 years old. Well, a lot of these guys, I mean, think of like the Terrell Owens and the Randy Mosses and the Chad uh, Ocho Cinco's. I mean, I couldn't think of his last name for a second. I want to call him Chad Brown, but um, <laughs> uh, Johnson. Yeah, Johnson. Those guys, those guys kind of worked their way out of the league yep. with their assholatry and. Antonio Brown took advice from Terrell Owens, which is a head slapper right there. It's like, oh, my God, why are these two guys allowed to talk? But they did. And and Antonio Brown decided to go the Terrell Owens route, which is – I mean, he's – I mean, did he not create the biggest scene in NFL history to get away from a team? No, oh, I – He dyed his mustache yellow, like yeah. blonde. Like, who does this? He looked like, like a cartoon that was poorly yes, drawn. Did. And – uh his new hairstyle, I saw him in Oakland the other day. He's not looking too much younger with the way he's got himself looking now. But but anyway, I mean, he created such a stink to get out of Pittsburgh that I can guarantee you teams like the Steelers, obviously they wouldn't want him back, but teams with that kind of caliber of ownership, like the Giants, they would never take Antonio Brown. Um, the Eagles, with their new ownership, they would not take Antonio Brown. Teams like the Cowboys would take anybody. Right. Even if they're just getting paroled for murder, they don't care. Right. But but so the, like he'll have another chance maybe outside of Oakland. But the the point of the long term longevity of Rice was that most of his career was with the 49ers. Yep. Then he caught on with the Raiders. Yep. So he got that extra boost at the end of his career under Gruden, actually. Right. It was under and, Gruden. Uh, his numbers, I don't think, are ever going to be touched. Unless the league gets to a point where receivers are getting like 2,000 yards a season. Right. Or you they know? go to like 18 games, and so you've got exactly. two more games to play a year. And I think that that's, that's another topic we could talk about, but the changing in the passing rules have clearly padded the stats of these guys. And, and when you compare them with historical players, it's really hard to say. I mean, if you took Otto Graham in his prime and threw him into the NFL right now, he might light it up like you can't imagine. Right. So, yeah, if, you know, if you had like Montana Bradshaw or Brad, yeah, Montana, yeah, Montana would be like people would be who's Tom Brady if Montana was still playing in this type of, a, you know, it's that's just a, a different for game. another day. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. Dan Marino, Dan Marino was putting up like, you know, remember when like 3000, I have a card, a Dan Marino mm -hmm. card that was like he passed over 3000 yards in a season, which was like unheard of at the time. And now it's like if you don't hit 3,000, you might as well – like you're either a career journeyman or you're a career backup. Like if, if you can't hit over 3,000, you have no business being in the NFL, which is – you know, that's like you said, a topic for another day. But that is very it, – it's a different game. Like it's just – It it's, is. It's it, – the rules like – I mean, can you imagine how many games like – the old steel curtain, like how many times people would have been kicked out of games or like Lester Hayes going across the middle and just like killing people. I mean, th oh, yeah. that's why they made those rules was because that happened. Like people got hurt. And so, you know, they changed the NFL to where now you have to be careful as you go to hit somebody. Yes. So there's more completions for more yards. You can't put your hands on anybody anymore as a defender. And so, you know, it's gone to a, a more uh, 
what do I want to say, an offensively driven league. And so, yeah, of course these numbers are going to be higher. But anyway, good points. Very good points. Yes, yes. So um, with that topic, I know you haven't had any chance to research this, but maybe this is a good topic that we should bring up right now. I have a little bit of a theory that the modern passing rules have been put into place with a little bit of the Patriots in mind. And I think it can boil down to the year that Brady went down with the ACL tear. Okay, because he was kind of hit low. I'm not going to doubt. I'm not going to deny that I know you're at not. all. <laughs> so not only that is that you can't touch the quarterback, but then they changed the bump and run rules to five yards. Who does that benefit? That benefits slot receivers that are running six-yard routes. Like who? Like the Patriots. Like Wes Welker. Like Edelman. Like Edelman. Wes Welker. Exactly. And so – I look at these these rule changes, and it seems that it's really helped the Patriots out, but it doesn't seem like the competition committee is doing too much to even the playing field since the same team is winning the division every year for two decades, has been in the past three Super Bowls, is it? Has won now six out of eight Super Bowls? Have they been to eight Super Bowls? Is that a reality? I think it yeah, is, right? Co- well, cause, well, let's see. They lost the- two to the Giants. Okay, and they beat... Well, they have six wins. Oops, sorry. Yeah, so they have six wins. Eight. So they've got it. Yeah, eight. But I don't know over how long does that span. I guess the first one would have 2001. been 2001, right? Till now. Yeah. Infamous so in 2001. Years. Don't get me started on that one. Um, well, there you go. It's another one. That the tuck rule nonsense uh, was really the pre- that's the start of it all. Yes, it was. That's where it all began. I, I think that the demise of my Raiders for forever and the rise of the Patriots. I really wonder about like 9-11, 2001, the terrorist attacks, wanting to build patriotism in our country. Suddenly the team, the Patriots, becomes the best team of the next two decades. Suddenly all the competition committee's rules seem to benefit them. They get caught cheating. Nothing ever happens to them. They wash it under the rug. What happened to the video of them taping the sideline? Oh, I burned it in my trash can. My bad. You know, that kind of stuff. And. <laughs> Being and, actually and then fine they, draft they have picks. The, uh, then they have the audacity to come out and say that the Texans were tampering with one of yes, their... Like, that's what they're like, saying this week. Who knows? Who knew that that was written into his contract? Like, when you want to <laughs> interview a guy, don't you just call him up and say, hey, dude, like, you want to interview with us for our GM position? You'd think so, but I, is that that's I, saying they're, that's tampering, I guess. Alleged. Well, I guess it was written into the guy's contract, but I'm like, how the heck would somebody know that? The Texans are going to call Bill Belichick and say, hey, can I talk to one of your guys? Right. You know, it's, and he's going to be like, yeah, sure. Hang on, click. I mean, yeah. he doesn't have to let him do it. So, so, but I, I really look at the competition committee and I'm wondering like, what are they doing with these rules? It seems that the the game has been leveraged to teams like that. They're taking advantage of all the rules that they can. They're deflating footballs. They're filming the other sidelines. They're sending people to other teams, sidelines, dressed in NFL blue, light blue attire so that they can be around the coaches to try to get whatever they can get. They'll sign players off the street that used to be with the team the week before the game and then cut them as soon as that game's over. Just to get James the knowledge Harrison, from him. except Harrison yep. was there for like three games, wasn't he? Uh, or four Harrison's, or something. He's a knucklehead, man. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it, but anyway, it, it seems like the competition committee should be slightly concerned with one team being an aid of the past 18 Super Bowls. You'd think so. You would and think they it, would that that 
that would change. But I mean, look at the look at the division they play in, though. I mean, look at the and that dump- was changed as well. Look that at was the changed back fires. in the day. How is it the NFC? How is the AFC East? How do you have Buffalo, New York, and New England playing Miami? Yeah, I don't understand Miami's that. Miami's slightly one. south, in my opinion. That would seem like an <laughs> AFC South team. Like, yeah, definitely so more south Steelers, than like Indianapolis or something. Yeah, I think the Steelers should be in the East. That would not be, that I would want them to play the Patriots twice a year, but geographically, it makes much more sense. Yeah, it does. And or the Browns or uh, well, so, yeah, somebody from uh, Baltimore. That's maybe. AFC. Is it Pittsburgh is the AFC North, right? Yeah. So you've but got there's three teams that are north of them. Right. Okay. Which doesn't make sense. I, I don't, so I don't know how they did it, but I'll tell you that it does seem like the Patriots were given the sh- scrub teams, and these yeah. teams can't seem to help themselves. Like the Jets, train wreck. <sighs> Miami, train wreck. Buffalo, just rest just in peace. Bad. You know. Ever since I the mean, '90s, like have the have the Bills been relevant since like the '90s? Other other than I guess they made the playoffs with the uh, against the Titans that one year, right? Like. Yeah, the Music City Miracle. Yeah, they've been terrible. I mean, it, it's it's yeah. they've been nothing. And when was the last time that Miami was relevant? That's a question that I have. Like, it ha- it's Marino. Marino. It, it has to be it Marino, ha- right? Yeah. Since Marino left, they've had no like they've they've gone through like Dante Culpepper, and and they've got yeah. I mean, they've they've drafted and you know released and. Yeah, I mean it. It's it's as bad as the Browns, and and I'll put the Raiders on there too because the Raiders have been atrocious since ever. Well, once Carr got there and got a little bit of stability to position, we did the same thing. Kerry Collins, uh, Cole Pepper, uh, Jason Campbell, rest his broken clavicle. Uh, Carson Palmer was a train wreck. I mean, there's just yeah that that whole. AFC East, other than the Patriots, is a dumpster fire. So when you're playing the the Dolphins twice a year, you're playing the Bills twice a year, you're playing the Jets twice a year, and the Jets haven't been relevant since like the butt fumble, like butt fumbles. Well, that's first what I was going to say. I mean, they were fairly relevant the last time the Steelers went to the Super Bowl in 2010. They did beat the Jets in the AFC Championship, from what I remember, and. I, I do remember the Jets being good, the Rex Ryan era, but I also remember that he couldn't ever beat the Patriots. Right. Did they beat? I think they beat the Patriots in the playoffs, perhaps that year. Is that the year they may have? It may have been. Uh, I, I think that. But that, that was all was, Rex Ryan and his defense. Right. You know, that was. Yep. That was that a lot of defense. Sanchez. But no. anyway. They have did they I have Ladanian Tomlinson at that time too? Yes, they did. But I mean, he was a shell of himself. Not to be confused with San Diego with the San Diego Chargers version yes, of Ladanian Tomlinson. Up Thirty touchdowns for sure. No, but but I do feel like the um, the quarterbacks playing into their early forties now. You know, if you took Tom Brady and threw him into the Steelers Raiders dynasty era. I don't think he makes it 10 years. No, he couldn't move. I, I mean, and if you ever watched Bradshaw play, he was a feisty son of a bitch. <laughs> he would run the ball. He'd get tackled upright. The whistle would stop, and he'd still be fighting to move forward. Terry Bradshaw was a way better athlete than people recognize. He was one of the fastest players on the Steelers. He was one of the strongest as well. 
that he played with a band and he'd hang on to the ball to the last second and then he'd get railed. I mean, just look at that Super Bowl, that famous touchdown pass against the Cowboys where he's knocked out during the play. There were several times in his career where he was knocked out during plays. He eventually, he kind of, I think he needed like a Tommy John surgery, but he, he had elbow issues. He had a very awkward throwing motion, but it was the beat down. The beat down, the beat down, the beat down. The nutrition wasn't there either. People no. didn't understand the nutrition back then. There was beer and cigarettes at halftime. And other um, paraphernalia. Yeah, that's right. But, but you know, I, I look at these quarterbacks now, and they're putting up these numbers. And, and, yeah, is Brady the greatest ever? I guess you have to say he is because of the Super Bowl wins. But you look at Joe Montana playing, and, and can you really say that from a talent perspective, Montana is not as good as Brady? No, I I don't think so. I think there, I, I don't think so either. I think there's. I mean, a, another one that comes to mind is uh, Steve Young. I mean, look at all the headshots he took. Uh, they, yeah. I mean, is as as early as like the '90s, the the late '90s, early 2000s. You you could do just about anything you wanted to to a quarterback. I mean, you look yep. at any old game. Footage and defensive linemen were grabbing quarterbacks after the play by their jersey and chucking them to the ground. I mean, there were there was there was that there wasn't like a an aura around the quarterbacks like there is today. Nowadays, definitely. Nowadays, I mean, if you 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 probably well, I don't know if you watch the game or not, but the Chiefs versus the Patriots in the AFC Championship when Brady barely got nicked across the head uh, like on his helmet oh, yeah. and they called a 15 yard penalty and like extended the, him. Yeah. I'm, so I mean, not that a, I'm a, a chief sympathizer, but I, that's just no, how, I, I'm how right the game is, has become is because I was, was going to say there have been games where Roethlisberger has been just trounced after he releases a ball and there's not a flag in a stadium anywhere nearby. And if it was Tom Brady, the player would be suspended like on yep. the spot. You know, and so I think it's extremely inconsistent. I don't know what the NFL, why they would want one team to be that good. I mean, obviously, if you have one of the greatest players ever, quote unquote, then it's it's maybe attracting more people. But I think that the failure of the competition committee to even the playing field is kind of sullying the game because I don't want to see the Patriots in another Super Bowl. No, I mean, I don't want to see them in another AFC championship. And, and I get that, hey, Bill Belichick, he knows his defense. He held the league's top offense to three points in a Super Bowl. Yep. But at the same time, I was kind of telling you about his, his tactics. And I think his tactic in that game was give him the run. We'll take, we'll have two safeties deep in zone coverage all game long. We'll man to man on the outside and we'll give them the run because they won't take the run because they'll be wanting to beat us with the pass. And I think that's what happened. So he, he lets these teams almost beat themselves. And it's 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 more about his coaching of the defense that has won them championships than Brady's arm, except for maybe the Falcons game. Yeah. Falcons game, Brady probably pulled that out of his rear end. But all the other Super Bowls before in the early 2000s were three points each. Vinatieri, field yep. goal. Vinatieri, field goal. I can't tell you how many nights I was furious that Vinatieri made a field goal. And then when the... <laughs> When the Giants beat them, it was like Christmas Day. Right. Yeah. It's like finally, but but I think they they're they're in danger of making it almost a mockery. 
Drew Brees, when was the last time he was injured? I mean, he's a healthy guy and he works out like crazy, right. so you got to give him props. But at the same think, time, he's a I, little guy. I think after, well, when he got, did yeah, he, he had get the shoulder traded? surgery? Yeah, he had shoulder surgery in San Diego, and I don't remember if he was a free agent or if they traded him. Do you remember? Um, well, I I would think that they might have traded him because of Philip Rivers. Okay, so maybe they got Philip. So that may have been like the whole. Was that the whole Eli Manning and then Philip Rivers and then they they just got rid of Breeze? Yeah, but I think it was the year after. So I think okay, Rivers sat on the bench. I could be wrong about that. Um, but either way, you know, he he moved on because they drafted Philip Rivers. And I think and since he, then, I don't think he's really been injured, like injured. I don't injured. think so either. And I think that that his shoulder surgery, that would have been 2004. The Brady injury was in 2008, I believe. Or was that in 2009? Hard to remember exactly dates, but uh, around that same time. So Breeze had a, a season or two in there before the rules changed to protect the quarterbacks. And, yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's just what's my interesting. Yeah, so, so Breeze – in two, was drafted in 2001. He played one game. In 2002, he played 16. In 2003, he played 11. That may have been the year that he was injured. Uh, and then 2004, he played 15. 2005, he played 16. Went to New Orleans. Um, and then, I mean, the dude is just... He's been... Let's see, 16, 16, 16, 15, 16, 16, 16, 16, 16, 15, 16, 16, 15. And I think probably He's, some of those are because he didn't play like the last game of the regular season or something. Plus, he's been to the playoffs in there. Plus, the dude is attempting. How, how many attempts is he is he having here? Um, he's he's going to fall into a. A tier slightly above Dan Marino, but in my mind, he's kind of one of those guys because if he won a second Super Bowl, people will be talking about him like he's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Yep. But, and it's kind of sad because he has won a Super Bowl, but because it happened so soon after he came to the St. Um, I'm sorry, New Orleans, people aren't really remembering that because it's what have you done for me lately, and especially right. at the end of, end of guys' careers. Um, so it can make a huge difference. So his, his, uh, let's see, his numbers a couple years ago, he had 673 pass attempts. And I'm thinking that that is, that's the highest that I see. And that was in 2016. He had 5,000 yards, 37 touchdowns and 15 interceptions the highest amount of touchdowns he had was in 2011 with 46. 46 touchdowns and 14 interceptions, 5,476 yards. That is unreal. Yeah, that's like Madden, exactly. And so last year, his numbers were the lowest amount of passing yards that he's ever had in New Orleans, it was a shade. It was three thousand nine hundred and ninety-two, and that was mm-hmm. his. That was his career 
low in New Orleans, which is unreal. But they, they were winning last year, and I think it, you'll see more of, of that stats next year. I think I think they're on a good page in that. Yep. They really should have been. I mean, that pass interference call should yep, have been made. They were, made, but they were a pass interference all. call away, but then you're like, well, do does it really does it make a difference? I don't know. It's the world may never know. Just like it's true. The Tootsie Pop. So, so I got another topic for you, Doctor Tyler, and you're gonna have to use some of your doctorness for this. Oh no! So I was watching in the gym. There was a baseball player named was his name McCutcheon. Yeah, Andrew McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon. He tore his ACL in a rundown between first and second base, and from what I, it, I saw. He tried to like jump spin off of his leg and he would have been out anyway. But the movement that he made was something that just makes me cringe thinking of my own ACL, which thank God I'm not torn either. But he tore his ACL. He's out for the season in a rundown between first and second base. And then you and I were watching the uh, NBA finals. Yes. When Durant came back. Yep. And he's jumping all over the place. And then he finally jump cuts and ruptures his Achilles tendon. Yep. It's so I got to thinking, I got to thinking, do these guys understand the limitations of their body? And if people that don't know the study of the mechanics of joints and muscles, it's called kinesiology. It's something that Dr. Tyler and I know all too damn well. <laughs> and or not enough uh, of. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe not. But but it seems like if you taught these athletes some of these things, maybe McCutcheon doesn't make that move. Maybe, maybe if anybody could have gotten in Durant's head to just tell him to stop, he doesn't do something like that. Cause on a frayed Achilles tendon, jump cutting is going to put the most load on that joint, on that tendon, the most pressure that it can handle. Yep. And it's going to tear, especially if it's already frayed. Cause there's not a lot of blood supply to that part of the tendon. Right. Um, and with McCutcheon's move, and then I started thinking of Jordy Nelson. He tore his ACL in a preseason game against the Steelers. Right. He went up for a pass. Before he even came down, he was trying to turn his body the opposite direction, and his ACL just snapped. Yep. Then we see the other night, Clay Thompson. He's coming to the basket from his left side. He dunks or lays it up, and then he tries to land on the right side of the basket with his right leg, even though his body's going forward right so so he's landing on the wrong limb from where he jumped because there's going to be no stability on that limb and And if i'm not mistaken he was already had a hamstring issue on that side he had a hand yeah he had a hamstring issue the only thing that was different so mccutcheon nobody touched him jordy nelson nobody touched him kevin durant nobody touched him those were all like sports related moves the only thing with Clay Thompson is that there was a lot of, I mean, they called a foul. It was a good, clean, okay. hard foul. Um, it wasn't like he just went up for a dunk and, and tried to do something fancy or stupid. But still, I mean, it's the same principles. As soon as he went down and his knee went into, like, I, I don't know how to make this listener it rotates towards the other leg yeah it, excessively it just bent and bends inwards. inward yeah it right. just bent inwards and and i was like i think his mcl's gone and it, out of all the ligaments i was like well 
his I mean you could see his his ace or his tibia and his fibia eh, eh, femur tibia and <laughs> where's femur, his fibia <laughs> uh, the fibia is a new it's a new bone that I discovered uh, no so you could see his 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 tibia and his femur shift on each other and I was like yes. Ah, that's ACL, but then as you look at it too, his knee just bends inward, what we would call a valgus force, and and that puts a lot of strain on that MCL. It wouldn't surprise me if that was also affected in some way. But yeah, uh, he had the unhappy triad. Yeah, with a meniscus injury as well. Yeah. But you're right. I I don't think I don't think athletes realize the amount of force that they put on their joints, on tendons, on ligaments. They just go in and they're like, I'm working out. I'm strong. That's all. I, I've got the stability. All I really, you know, and I've got the speed. But when they're playing at such, you know, intense, phys- like their jobs demand intensity out of like all parts of their bodies. But those ACLs, the MCLs, the meniscus tears, a lot of those, it's interesting, just kind of happen when there's nobody around. Now, there are the ones where even the Achilles injuries as well, since that's what we started talking about. But yeah, it it, it almost makes you wonder if like people are scared to tell them like, hey, you know, be careful on this, especially if like a player, McCutcheon's kind of coming to the end of his career. He played a long time in Pittsburgh, and then he's kind of bounced around to several teams. Durant, he's only 30 years old, but in basketball, you know, like you play till you're 35, 36, and that's a fairly long career. Um, And so he's, you know, he's probably got four or five more years. Now, and we may see the trend start to go up in basketball and football just because people take way better care of themselves than they used to. Um, But I don't know. I think that would, that would be interesting to have, you know, some, you know, when you have a, a, uh, you know, you're coming down to the end of your career, be careful with twisting motions, like just some, some common sense classes, maybe, for these guys, like they're not as young as they used to be. Their body just doesn't move. That's just aging. That happens no matter how how many supplements you pump into your body or how much you can deadlift like James Harrison. Like at one time you told me that he was spending like $5,000 a day or something like that on supplements. It was something crazy like that. He spent, he spent $100,000 a month on supplements and treatments. Yes. So he had a chiropractor that he would fly in multiple times a week. Well, that's his first problem. Yeah, I mean, well, that is, yeah. But <laughs> I think that it comes down to these guys are trying to emulate these, like, uh, I don't know, like video game type movements. These, these like surreal matrixy type sudden clean jerk type of movements. I and think they don't video game movements the, is perfect. Cause I, I think that they don't realize how the human body doesn't really work that way. And I think that you can be just as devastating being calm and patient, such as Le'Veon Bell. You know, if you watch his running style, it looks like he doesn't care, but he gets yardage every single time. Right. And he's found a way and he said it 
you know, in an interview that he believes that the way he plays, it puts less punishment on him because people are having to move laterally right before they attack him horizontally or vertically, I should say. And so they, he's not getting that hard crunching hit like every other running back who's just putting their head down and running into the line. Right. And Le'Veon Bell had his ACL tear, but his was a force related tear on the sidelines when your buddy perfect tackled him. Ah, oh. um, but I also think when I'm starting to talk about this, I think of Steve Largent, the great receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. Mm -hmm. And I have watched him play and I had heard that the thing that made Steve Largent so great was that the speed he left the line of scrimmage with was the speed that he ran through his route with was the speed that he caught the ball and ran with the ball afterwards. Basically what they were saying was he wasn't trying to explode into his route. He wasn't trying to explode off the line of scrimmage. He was just running them solidly. And with that same speed, it throws your defender off because there's no sudden cut. There's no sudden jerk movements. And he just was able to kind of gracefully run these routes and catch these balls. But at the same time, he's not putting his knee and his heel at risk because he's running at a slow, stable, steady pace. That's interesting. I, yeah. So and that I, makes I, that makes sense because if you watch cuts nowadays, that's or if you if you listen to anybody talk about route running, one of the first things they mention is explosion off the line, in and out of cuts, and they don't realize what that does to your knees, to your right. ankles, even. I, I probably not the hip so much, but definitely knees and ankles are are yes. just not made, and feet even for that matter. They're they're not they're not really made for doing that over and over and over and over and over and over for to the tune of 12, 13, 14 years. But Correct. so that's that's a very interesting point that you bring up that I had never really I didn't know really much about Steve Largent nor his running abilities. But it, you know, it, it's just kind of that. He had a very graceful. slow 40 time. He wasn't a very fast guy, but he was quote unquote quick. Gotcha. And you know who else like kind of fits that is Antonio Brown. If yep. you watch his route running, his, his feet, they're, they're kind of chopping. So when he's running routes, it's choppy. It's really quick. It's really smooth, but he's not, he's not making these huge cut stops. He can stop on a dime and move. Chad Johnson used to be able to do that too. Hmm. Very agile. Very able to like suddenly move into a different direction without having to stop. But if you take the average athlete who's weightlifting, who's maybe 5, 10, 200 pounds, and they go run down the field, run a slant route, they're going to try to juke move. Now, what happens to their body when they do that? Well, your torso goes one way, your legs go the other, you slow down, and then you get into your route. The defender, all they have to do is just watch your hips and they follow your direction. So... A lot of these guys are trying to force their bodies to do things that they just naturally don't do, where they're trying to emulate an Antonio Brown, but Antonio Brown's just, he's got the quick burst muscles. He's got those fibers. It's, it's a different buildup. It's genetic. Yep, it is. Um, which, and, is uh, which is probably, which is something else for another show. Uh, but that's, I think we, we ought to a, a, attack that um, one day is, is, the muscle fibers themselves. There's a, there's a, there's a big to do about if you drop weight, you're automatically faster. 
It's just not the case. It drives me nuts. But I'll save that yeah. for another day. One of the I know what you're talking about, and one of the guys that has those quick muscle fibers that that quick twitch is uh, T.J. Watt. If you okay. watch this guy play, he's just like it's like he's shot out of a cannon all the time. And if you watch some other linebackers similar size, they're kind of lumbering a little bit more. There, they might be quick, they might be able to lean, they might be agile, but if you watch him play, like all of his movements are just like sudden movement, sudden fast, sudden fast, sudden fast, and it's just the way he was born. Yep. Obviously, his, his brother is no scrub, neither is his other brother, who's a fullback in San Diego, or I guess L.A. But, um, you know, that's just what they're born with. Right. But yeah, I think that uh, I look at when I watch T.J. Watt and I watch him move around like that, I do worry about his ACLs. Yep. And I think we were talking a couple of years back when when Deshaun Watson came in the league. Yes. He was doing so well. And I was like, I was like, dude, he's he's doing all this shaking and baking when he gets into the open field. He's going to blow an ACL. And that's and what happened. That's exactly what happened. And, you know, I, I that's when I was down on uh, Lamar Jackson and still am. I believe that he's going to rely way too heavily on his legs. And then when you tear an ACL, you're not the same, even though you can come back from it and play. You're just not the same athlete, no matter what. Right. And there's always something in your mind about it, too. So I look at Lamar Jackson and I think he's not built to maintain a 12 to 20 year NFL career. Right. Yep. And I also think that about Kyler Murray. I think he's just too undersized. I, I don't know. Unless he gets I, I, good protection and, and treats exactly. his body like like uh, Drew Brees has. Um, I, or Russell Wilson. Or well, Russell Wilson isn't shaking and baking and doing much like that. Like He he seems like more of a straight ahead, like a decisive type of a person behind the pocket. He ha- Yeah, he's he's transitioned to that. I, I know he still yeah. runs, but yeah, as, as he's gotten older, time catches up with you, and he has, he has become more of a... I mean, he still scrambles, but it's not like the cutting um, and the, you know, diving for first downs and things like that. It's he's smart about when he chooses to do those things. But you have to be. And I think that's something to, you know, that that you brought up is these guys need to be told this sometimes. It's just driven into them from the time that somebody thinks, okay, this is this is a protege. This is a somebody that's going to go somewhere in life, very good athletic skills. They're, they're, you know, they're, they win games with their athleticism because they're just so much better than everybody else on their same level. And right. now they're on the same level with guys who have done that their entire lives too. So you got to learn how to take care of your body better, which, you know, that's unfortunately those injuries do happen with medical technology and rehab going the way that it is now, it's a lot better. I mean, sure. you see, you know, you Gail see Sayers. Yeah. I mean, his career ended from an ACL. Exactly. Care, exactly. And um, a lot of other players in like the seventies and eighties. Christ. Namath played his rookie year with a torn ACL. I did not know that. Yeah. So they didn't know what was wrong with him. They, they just, didn't have, they didn't have the MRIs or any way to know what had happened. Right. So, they uh, when they drafted him, he said they took him in the bathroom right after they drafted him to have a doctor inspect his knee. They decided to tape it and put a brace on it, and that they were going to do a surgery after the season. 
And I'm pretty sure if, if I'm mistaken that it was his rookie year, then it was his senior year at Alabama that he played with a torn ACL. They just didn't know what to do with it. Huh. And, and it, it haunted his whole career. So if you look at, if you ever see film of Namath when he's a junior in college, he is fast and he's agile. Then if you watch him in the NFL, it's like a statue. Yep. Not very move. much. But yeah, it's, it's come a long way. But then do you remember the board exam practice question about ACLs relating to hamstrings? Something uh, along yes. those lines? Yes. So it's women, so I, I right? I can't think of it. Was that? I think women have tighter hamstrings or, or something about hamstring stability and ACLs, but yeah. tightness. So what I think it was, the tightness of the hamstring can put your ACL at risk, Right, is what I remember, yep. essentially. Yep. And so I think of Clay Thompson this past month or week, and I wonder, I'm not 100% sure that it was the same leg, but if he had a hamstring injury, somebody should have been in his ear saying, hey, bud, you know. Your ACL is at risk right now because of your hamstring injury. So yep. we should either tape your knee up, uh, put a brace on it, and then put some kind of sleeve over top of that. Something that we need to do. We need to give you a little bit of extra lateral stability for the game. Yep. And, you know, those. I feel like that Warriors medical staff, good Lord, if any of them keep their jobs, I'd be shocked. Yes. Two of the top three players go down in the finals with – year-long recovery injuries yes and it's and, uh, and on the other side you have the guy who sat out a year in Kawhi Leonard because his quad was hurt nobody believed him he had the right people in his ear saying if you play with this injury you could further injure your knee so he went to an outside doctor got the same advice that he was hearing he sat out the whole year they traded him He's the only person to win an MVP in both conferences. Yep. Yep. Or finals MVP. And, but, and that I think, I think this is something I'd like to maybe go into further on the next show is these guys, like, like I said before, it's been drilled into their head that they can win against all odds and that they have to win or else their, their quote unquote legacy will be tainted or not you know that they're not man enough and i think that's a i think that's unfortunate in this day and age because yeah. Kawhi didn't care obviously what other people thought because the whole media was on his back about how he'd given up on the spurs and how you know the the spurs training staff would never leave lead anybody purposefully down a, a bad road and then you see but we've seen that this year and we've seen twice <laughs> we saw that. in the fi- yeah. in the finals where well you know a doctor has to clear these guys to play but at the same time the do they works under for the team right do the you know do the players so does their opinion even matter right does their does the opinion of the doctor even matter do they have the players best intentions or do they have like the owners intentions set for you know do the doctors do they want to do what's best for the player do they want to do what's best for the for the organization which is in that moment have um durant for example come back score 11 points in however many minutes he played 12 minutes in 12 minutes and then he's done for two for a year and a half like yeah it's not it's it is it's you wonder oftentimes okay they cleared him 
So, you know, was it at the players wanting him to clear them because it's built into them? Like, I have to be out there. I have to be out there for my team. I have to go win this championship for this team or else everybody's going to call me a pansy. Or is it like the doctors just doing it saying, well, you're cleared to play because the owner wants to win another championship. So that whole thing with Kawhi Leonard last year, you look back on it and you're like, huh. That's interesting. Was he really was he injured uh, like the like his private physician said he was or you know is it the team which which one's right? And I told right. you told me you're like no dude it's it's uh it's the doctors wanting you know the team telling the doctor hey you know shoot some stuff in there let's get him back we need him versus, you know, the player being like, no, I want to be out there. And it'd be interesting to ask Durant in like a private interview, like, why'd you come back? What what did the doctors tell you? Did he know what was even wrong with him in the first place? Because, uh, you know, like, you've well, got to... You t- we should say this to our listeners. If you strain your calf, that is not putting your Achilles tendon in any danger. No. Your Achilles tendon has to have already been injured for that jump cut that he made. Yeah, it wasn't easily. even like a jump cut. He just went to dribble, like to to make a cut, which is an explosive mood. But it wasn't like it, it didn't seem real bad to it me. Sh- yeah, like it, it shouldn't have, like it shouldn't have ruptured his Achilles. Exactly. Yep. Unless it was already damaged. Yep. It sh- but an Achilles. But that's tendon. just something I wanted the re- uh, listeners to know is that a, a calf strain is not going to translate into an Achilles injury, right. no matter what. Because your calf is up higher, it's connecting to your femur, actually. Yep. So, or in the middle not, of the muscle, it's just it. it yeah. His tendon should not have snapped like that with a quote-unquote calf injury. Yes. It was an Achilles injury. I'm convinced it was an Achilles injury the entire time. Oh yeah, and, and, and I, I think that's why they didn't come out with it. Is because well, they didn't come out with it. I think because it wasn't fully ruptured. Right. Yep, and they were hoping that with some, well, whatever, some some treatment, some instrument assisted soft tissue mobilization, whatever they were doing with him, cortisone, something to get that going, cortisone injections, electrotherapy, whatever it may have been, they they were hoping that he could come back. And there's a there's a really interesting scene in any given Sunday where Matthew Modine's character basically quits on the team because he's the second in charge physician. And I think he doesn't want the quarterback to come back and play due to concussions. And the team doctor, who I think is, um, oh gosh, can't think of his name right now. But he he wants them to come back and he's kind of, his job's basically a joke. Whatever the owners tell him, he's just having them do it. And Modine walks away and quits. And I think that that's, it's very prolific because I think that's exactly what happens out there. Yeah. And And I don't know what kind of information Kevin Durant was given. But I, I, he made the wrong choice, clearly. And I think it's pretty telling that he flew to New York to have his Achilles repair. Yep. So he, he didn't even let his team doctors perform that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that doesn't mean much of anything. I could be wrong. Maybe one of the team doctors practices in New York. It I could, could be, wrong. but I, it, but, I think that is interesting. Telling. Yeah. It seems interesting that, that he would do that. So, or go back to New York and, and then start almost immediately talking with Kyrie Irving. So anyway, yeah. that's Anywho. all I've, that's all I've got for today. 
Have you got anything yeah. else? Or should we save got it? Way too much else. <laughs> way too much. Well, we'll save it for more. Way too much. And then yes. I won't sound like an idiot next week. No, no. Come on. All it right. sounded fine. It sounded like you like the Oakland Raiders, though. That, that kind of got that from what you were saying, that you kind of like that team. I tried bit. I tried to sound as unbiased as possible, but when that's no, what that's... you delve your life into, that's kind of you, – you tend to go to examples that you know, and so – yeah. Anyway. No, it's all good, man. Well, it's good. It's good info. I didn't know some of the stuff he said, and I'm sure our listeners didn't. So I, we're all enlightened now. We're all better for having listened to this today. So thank you yeah. all for listening. Thank you for joining us. Uh, give us your insights. Uh, and uh, we look forward to hearing you on the next episode of A Bit of Anything. Until then, peace yeah. be the journey. Sounds good. Let us know if you have any ideas, topics that you'd like us to discuss. We are doctors. It's not bullshit. It's true. All right. Peace out. <laughs>